Dawson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five straight final, JCM Jones from Dirty South Soccer and the Mothership. Joe Patrick from 90.9 The Game and Dirty South Soccer is over there. Joe, we sound great. Sounding extra sexy today, Sam. I mean, your voice always sounds sexy. I'm very Uh jealous of it, Uh but um, today, especially so, and going forward, uh, you will now own the sexy male voice demographic of the podcasting world. I'll be honest. I've always been a little upset. I remember I did a poll one time from the Five Stripe Final account that asked which voice would win in a fight, Joe Patrick's <laughs> or Sam Jones's, and I believe you won in a landslide. What? Um, so I'm I'm hoping oh, this-, this is like this is like a steroid injection for me <laughs> in that fight. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I turn some heads here, turn some ears even. Um, maybe a, a, a Gabriel Heinze level of sexy in this oh. voice. Maybe, maybe that that's that's pretty aspirational. Um, like the most interesting way, man in the world. Exactly. 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 Either way, a whole lot of new to discuss. Uh, we're playing Hurt today. Joe is going through his flu game. Um, I'm really, really impressed by this. He, he has stepped up, even in the midst of a, a potential, um, what did they call it for Columbus? A, a medically induced absence or something like that. I forget why <laughs> Darlington Nagby was out, but something like that. Um, congrats to Columbus, by I am, the way. I'm not medically cleared to play, but I'm medically cleared to podcast. So I figured we'd go ahead and, you know. Yeah, so. I'm so I'm in a COVID scare, whatever it is. Uh, I think I probably have COVID, so um, I'm a little bit the the sexiness that we've added in Sam's voice has been taken away from me. So hopefully he makes up for for all the the lost uh, what we call it audio appeal. Yeah, there we go. There's yeah. a good word. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. but all good, all good. No, no, nothing, nothing scary. So don't don't fear. Start a hashtag. Start a GoFundMe. Hashtag pray for Joe, <laughs> please. He's dying. How dare y'all just sit there. Well, we were joking Um, last night. It was like, uh, you were like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. I just did a post. I'm all good. I think I think Seattle football called that big drill energy. Yeah, yeah which is exactly right. If, if you've never written a post before while having COVID, shut the fuck up. Right. So, well, Joe's post is very, very good. Uh, y'all need to go check that out. It happens to be about one. Gabrielle Einzo is, of course, on DirtySouthSoccer.com. You go check that out. Lady Knight's 2021 relaunch is off to a promising start. And uh, very much so. Very much so. Um, if you haven't heard the news, for some reason, I'd be shocked if you have if you listen to this podcast or consume any Dirty South Soccer content whatsoever, uh, it appears Gabriel Heinze is on his way to Atlanta. Not officially confirmed. My kind of understanding of how this is going to work is that it will happen very quickly after Atlanta um, loses in the CONCACAF Champions League Wednesday. (laughs) So (laughs) um, that announcement is coming most likely um, unless something drastic happens. You know know what what was interesting is uh, the team's communications department put out the the weekly media schedule this week and something yeah. they included for the first time was radio interviews that um, both Brad Gazan and Darren Eels will be doing. Uh, a couple of those are tomorrow, obviously, for my uh, employer 92.9 The Game. So check, make well, sure you is- check those out. Uh, Darren speaks at 420 um, and nice. Brad speaks at 840. I don't think Brad will have any breaking news, but maybe Darren. Who knows? Well, okay. There we go. There we go. This is um, in PR terms, this is a this is a reclamation project. This is the beginning of it, right? Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta start putting 
those radio things out there, you started to got to start turning this ship around a little bit. And of course, this is the this is the big jumping off point, and this is the jumping off point we were all kind of hoping for. Not to, not to brag here at DSS, but you can go back all the way to when the original coaching search after Tata left, and this was someone that Joe had brought up, that someone Rob had brought up, and someone I had nodded along to as someone who might be very very good uh, in this position. Uh, we're very very excited about this, and we want to explain a little bit about why. Um, of course, we have been doing our research on this. We've been doing deep dives on this. Um, it has been very different from the deep dive I, I, I consider famously did on Frank one night. Uh, I think I was at my, my folks' house during a Christmas kind of adventure over there and uh, decided to ignore everyone by doing a deep dive on Frank. Uh, I looked in, deep into his soul and, and didn't find much. <laughs> I think what, what, what you found was, was scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a dark place. <laughs> And I, um, I remember I went to this tweet storm and everyone's like, oh, Atlanta fans are so spoiled. They're freaking out about this, uh, this manager that has this huge pedigree. And I'm like, I don't know, y'all kind of seems like Dutch Lane Kiffin uh, pre Ole Miss years. And uh, look at that. You can go back and listen to all those episodes we did. We were damn right. So hopefully we're right about Heinze as well. Um, and again, we want to explain a little bit more about why we're excited. Um, and I think to understand that, you kind of have to understand where the the pedigree comes from where the the Mr. Miyagi to, to Heinz's karate kid kind of comes from. Uh, and of course, Mr. Miyagi in this situation is one Marcelo Elsa. Um, if you don't know Marcelo Bielsa, he's a fascinating dude. It's been really interesting kind of go in on a deep dive on him. There's lots of stuff out there on the internet. Um, Tifa football has a lot of great stuff on YouTube. If you just want to watch simple tactical breakdowns and a little bit more about his history as well, that's going to be the source for a lot of this as well as a couple articles from places like The Athletic. I wonder if Tifa else. football might do a one on Heinze now that he's been hired at Atlanta and kind of more of a high profile job. Keep an eye out. I would for imagine that. so. They have so much. It's incredible though, kind of related to to Bielsa. Right, though. right. And, Which and kind, is kind of, their, of stand in for mm-hmm. Heinze, you know, like we're going to talk about here. But exactly, exactly. Um, and that's because Marcel Bielsa's coaching tree is just absolutely wild. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so many people. Um, it's it's Saban esque. If we want to drop our first college football reference of cast, <laughs> um, it, it's incredible how many people have have picked up his influence and his teaching and kind of work them as their own. You know, and I was talking to Felipe Cardenas at The Athletic about Bielsa sometime recently. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was sometime toward the end of the season. And, you know, something that he pointed out, which was a good, good thing to, to acknowledge, was that, you know, a lot of us talked about Marcelo Bielsa and the style of football that he plays and all that, all this stuff. He's not universally liked. Like, like mm-hmm. some people are very anti-Bielsa and think that he's, uh, like, too far off the deep end and um, the, the style that he plays isn't necessarily necessarily geared towards winning um it's geared towards a certain ideology uh footballing ideology so i think i find that very interesting the fact that he's not he's not just like he is definitely revered in argentina and around the world for kind of some of the principles that he's helped bring to the fore and and popular you know what we know as the modern uh the modern game but um not universe he's kind of he's just such a crazy character um and the tactics are what they are to the point where you know not everybody is fully on board with Bielsa but I think that that to your point that's what makes him so fascinating it does it does and to that point in the sense of it, it may not get the job done you kind of have to think about too some of the teams he's at, he's never been at a world beating kind of team a team that's kind of set up to do that of course he's at Leeds right now um, he's spent time at Lille Lazio Marseille places like that as well um, it started out at Newell's old boys which of course I mean it's crazy how the connections to Atlanta United keep kind of running through through those uh, Heinz a player at Newell's old boys so 
um, Tata, a player in his old boys. And now, uh, of course, Bielsa as well, who got his star as a player there as well, was not a great player at all, which I find, yeah. you know, appropriate. It's one of the theories we've kind of talked about here on the show before about how you can't be a naturally gifted player and turn out to be a naturally gifted coach just because you don't have to work for it as much. In Heinz's like, case, we hope that he bucks that trend. But yeah, yeah. It's like Mourinho is the same <laughs> that's exactly way. You know? it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, we'll get to, to, to Heinz's uh, history as a player as well. But he does have an impressive resume for sure. Um, not to go along with our harebrained theory, unfortunately, but we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Oh, <laughs> um, no, he... Uh, uh, he's fascinating. Um, but you look at some of the other coaches who maybe have styles that people have also kind of criticized as maybe not being geared towards winning. You look at like an Almeida, you know, over mm-hmm. in San Jose with um, his intense man marking scheme. And, you know, he's he's doing what he can with a roster that is not incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you can talk about winning all you want. But, you know, he, he he gets a job done in a different way that no one else could with a roster that would be be far worse without him. And that's a very similar trend, I think, for for Bielsa. And, and and that was something I, I was trying to kind of point to in, in the article that published today, Monday, um, in the, the one that you mentioned was that, you know, Heinze coming in does not necessarily mean Atlanta United is going to just jump to the top of the table and be the, the MLS Cup favorite next year or anything like that. But I think that what we're pretty certain is going to happen is that Atlanta United is going to be really fun to watch again, just like San Jose was under Almeida. Like, you know, nobody was under the illusion that uh, Matias Almeida Almeida was going to lead the, the Quakes to, you know, a, a trophy or, or silverware. I mean, it was possible that he could, but no, like they weren't obviously the favorites, but they were such an attractive, fun team to watch at times um, because of the style of play. And that's kind of what we have been really down about on Atlanta United this year, especially, and throughout much of the Frank DeBoer era is just the style of play. Even when they were getting the results in 2019 that led them to, you know, a year that the club has touted as being a, a very successful year and I think that it was I mean I think they're right to say that um, but it wasn't done in the style that I think a lot of these Atlanta United fans and myself and you know both of us were kind of indoctrinated in under Tata Martino as like knowing Atlanta United as the kind of team that was going to play in a certain way um, that was incredibly entertaining and and fun to watch and so I'm really really excited that we're going to get that style back in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and I think that that will just make it so much so much fun to watch and I think that you know when fans are back in there after we got the vaccine in everybody's arms uh I just cannot wait (laughs) I've been kind of um living that moment in my head ever since I started writing that column last night and I'm just like so excited that's the thing um you know it's gonna be interesting I I think Heinz is not quite to the extent that Bielsa is as far as going full out um which his his statics line up very similar we'll kind of talk about more about that in a second um I think it's interesting kind of look at where Bielsa's tactics are and where they kind of come from. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Bielsa is a weirdo. I think we really, really, really need to stress that. This is a strange, strange man who is perfect for a coaching world. It, it's always kind of baffled me how there aren't as many outright weirdos in coaching as there are with like college football, where guys are like bragging about how, yeah, I, I slept at the office six nights this week. I haven't seen my family in months, <laughs> um, but we're recruiting like hell. Right. You know, this is the, that's Marcelo Bielsa's whole kind of vibe. Um, he, his claim to watch football for 14 hours a day, exercise for two. 
And that's the schedule. Uh, I guess that's enough room for eight hours of sleep. I'm not sure when he eats, probably when watching football, I would have to guess. Um, interesting. To, one of the interesting facts I kind of came across was that he would collect this Argentinian football magazine and, and really hold on to those and cherish those um, to the point where he had his mother like organize them, like using whatever like weird Dewey Decimal system he came up with as a child <laughs> to organize these magazines um, yeah. that had all this tactical stuff and everything like that. He's always been very much a a student of what's going on. And so it's kind of interesting to think about him as this almost mad scientist kind of guy who's devoted his life to tinkering with the sport uh, and and bringing a wild intensity to to not only his research, but to his training sessions as well. And Heinz is going to come in and do immediately. And it's something you kind of touched on with with Heinz and commanding respect immediately as he comes into this team. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned sleeping in the office because I think there was a report I came across sometime recently researching Heinze about him um, sleeping at the Villa Sarsfield uh, training ground. Yes. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I think I think it was at Villa's, yeah, um, which is great. I love that. <laughs> love the dedication. Um, but back to Bielsa, too, one of my favorite stories about him that I um, had heard about, but it was uh, written about in, Tat- or in um, Mauricio Pochettino's autobiography, um, said that Mar- uh, Marcelo Bielsa came to his home in the middle of the night when he was 14 years old to look at his legs <laughs> he wanted to see if he had the legs of a footballer and so Mauricio Pochettino lived in this small ass town called Murphy Argentina which is like the like the equivalent of like Grand Junction Texas or something you know like, like one of those like small oil towns um, that's is like that in Argentina he drove there in the middle of the night and <laughs> went into his bedroom while he was sleeping to examine his legs and then they signed him <laughs> so just a, that's the kind of character Marcelo Bielsa is. I, that, that's a, I think it's a, a good little uh, anecdote. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And again, that's the kind of weirdo you want in your coach. Yes, honestly. absolutely. You know, um, because we don't need them to be normal, socially adequate humans. We need them to to be interesting and win games, right? Right. Um, so his and, and Heinz's paths cross um, as uh, Bielsa takes over Argentina for over about six years there, 1998, 2004, from my understanding. Um, and Bielsa kind of obviously is attached to this guy. He's attached to him to this point where if you make a, a comparison to Heinz, and my understanding is all kind of bristle at it. Um, mm. Bielsa is that revered to him. So if you kind of mm-hmm. like say like if you, that kind of thing, you know, that he is stealing from this or not stealing, but but really trying to be him, he'll be like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, which is fascinating. Um, so a little bit more uh, about Bielsa's tactics. Um, it's very, it's not quite as pressing, I think, as some people kind of think it's not Liverpool under Klopp a couple of years ago right they're not trying to press people out of the building um, but they are man marking a lot they are you know putting pressure on the ball putting pressure on the space around the ball um, and that happens a lot in the middle of the field especially uh, but but where it gets really interesting I think is in possession he also famously right. runs a 3-3-1-3 mm-hmm. um, in possession and it ends up looking very very similar to what Atlanta United looked like in possession uh, a couple of years ago with Tata where you have a back three with the center backs spread
spreading out wide. You have the six drop back into the middle of that back three, and then the ball circulates around the edges of the field until they're able to find that incisive pass into the next level, into the next line in the middle of the field. And all that happens with lots of rotation. But what that means is that lots of um, balls go to the center back. Lots of balls go to the goalkeeper. It's a distribution and passing from the center backs and ability to to sometimes even push up into the midfield if there's space is very, very important for the center backs. Um, It's also important that you don't turn the ball over in a really dangerous position there, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of reminds me a lot of how Red Bulls kind of used to, or still do really own us, but like really, really owned those Tata teams, except for the one time Chris Armas blew it. Because if you turn it over and you're able (laughs) to get not to do that. <laughs> yeah, because they decided to not do that. <laughs> Thanks. Still, I still can't get over that. Hire him, DC. Um, so if you get the ball over, there's a lot of room in those half spaces in between uh, the center backs. It's uh, basically just that six who's dropped back on an island. If you transition quickly, there's a lot of room in the middle there. You can respond narrowly and directly and kind of burn people a little bit, which I mean, in that case is where Miles Robinson kind of comes in really, really well uh, to potentially be a sweeper. Um, mm-hmm. The variation of that that we kind of see with with Heinze is that instead of a 3-3-1-3 it's more of a 3-4-3 it's a little flatter in the midfield um, but a lot of the rotations are still very very much the same um, and you still have the the wide wing backs think of it kind of like a like a parabola um, you make a make a elongated U around the back line and that's generally how the ball is going to circulate in possession um, if you are, are watching a Heinze team and I, I think what's interesting about these principles that you're talking about with Bielsa is that you can find that 3-3-1-3 out of a 4-3-3 or out of a 3-4-3 or out of a 3-5-2. Like you can use lots of different formations to, to achieve these kind of end goals that you want to happen in the middle of a game. And I think that sometimes people get way too hung up on what formation they're going to play when they come in. If they're going to play a 3-4-3, like the fact that Frank DeBoer, you know, that, that the teams that he had produced the kind of uh, soccer that we saw was not because he ran a 3-4-3 and I remember that was like a big talking point at the time was like nobody plays a 3-4-3 why are we playing a 3-4-3 that's why this is bad that's not quite it it's about what the players have in their heads what they're instructed to do what they're trained to do when they have possession when they're in certain game situations and that's going to dictate what happens on the field and the end product that you see and so the one thing to me that really sticks out is that somebody like Gabriel Einza is going to be a guy who's very much in the Tata Martino mold where he's probably going to get in trouble mm-hmm. with the MLSPA because he's going to be training them like way <laughs> yes. too many hours. Uh, that was one of my first thoughts that I had. Way too many days in a row complaints. because yeah. he's like he seems to be one of those guys who just loves training and he loves to be out there just drilling the players over and over again to get it in their heads and then the positive of that for a player is once it, it, when you've been drilled on it so many times then when you get in a game situation it's like you don't have to think about it it, mm-hmm. it, it, it becomes so natural and so that was one of the things when Frank was here it seemed like he wanted to give the players some freedom on the field to go out there and use their own ability to create you know and I, I can understand that idea of saying like hey, I've got these two, I've got a, guy, a creative playmaker in Pitti Martinez and a guy like Ezekiel Barco. Let them go out there. Don't put too much in their head. Let them let them play football. You know, I can could, I could understand why that would be a mindset um, that you would want to have. But I think that what we've seen, at least from Tata Martino, is that when, you ha- when he was here, I mean, he would drill these guys like crazy on the training pitch and they looked like they were in free flow when they were on the field. But I really think that that was because they, they were drilled so hard, they weren't thinking about anything when they were on the field except for 
for just executing what they knew. And it produced some of the best soccer that in that was played in MLS over those couple of years. So all of this is to say, one of the things I'm so excited about, and it's one of the things that we talked about when kind of at the end of the Frank DeBoer era, was that the players needed more specific instruction on the field. And it was one thing that Frank DeBoer, in our opinion, was pretty bad about in general was his ability to communicate those things. And so that's one of the things I'm excited about with a guy like Gabriel Einza is that he's going to be able to really communicate with these players quite clearly, uh, you know, especially the the Argentine players who, I mean, let's be honest about it, like Atlanta United's Argentine contingent are the players that they need to perform <laughs> well if they want to win anything. So um, those are really the players you need to make sure you're having perform at, at, at an optimal level. And so I think that Gabriel Einza is just the guy that's that's going to do that. And that's not to say that other coaches wouldn't have been able to do that, to do that either. Um, but he's obviously just one that we've been targeting for a long time just because of that reason. Yeah, it'll be a lot different than Frank just repeating quality over and over again at people. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine there's just going to be a little more uh, instruction in that regard, I would think. I would think. I would hope anyway. Also, do want to note that that uh, Heinze did uh, play for Tata at one point as well. Yeah. Two years, the very end of his career as well, which I'm sure contributed again to that Bielsa uh, fascination and, and a little bit too to the the vertical uh, style that he kind of takes over with a little bit. You know, what's crazy is they almost played with each other. Heinze's first what? year as a player, his first senior appearances at Newell's mm-hmm. came the year after Tata Martino left Newell's at the end of Tata. That's career. wild. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> It's fascinating. Um, yeah, no, I think it's going to, I think for those reasons, it's, it's going to look very familiar to people. It, it really is. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, Heinz is, you know, just as a player is going to command respect. Of course, uh, stints with Manchester United, uh, PSG, Real Madrid. Um, and of course, just a FU center back at all times, apparently. Um, what did, I think it was Roy Keane called him a nasty fucker. <laughs> I think yeah. that was it. Um, yeah. I think Ferguson said uh, that he would kick your granny. Kick his granny. Um, kick his so own granny. Granny. Pick his yeah. own granny. Not not your granny. Yeah. His own granny. <laughs> so um, I, I would love for this to become a team of granny kickers and just be hated by everybody. It would be phenomenal. And, and I'm a little nervous because apparently he's also a uh, F you to the media kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so which I don't hate, you know, like hey, no, I, whatever, if whatever if it it's takes, merited, you know? Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that should provide some some interesting moments, I'm sure, throughout the season. So sure. I think fun. he will find we're um a little more passive than yeah. uh, uh, he's perhaps used to. So maybe he'll be like, oh, this is great. These are my friends. Let me tell them everything. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. No, it is funny, you know, just being a, a media participant, You, especially in soccer, um, it's very interesting to see the differences uh, like in a press conference between the interactions that, well, at least like when Tata was here, especially the interactions and just like the way that the questions are posed from uh, like the Spanish-speaking journalists who kind of, it's just like a cultural thing, the way that they want to have like a, a conversation or almost like a debate sometimes with the manager um, as opposed to like many of us typical English speakers that are kind of trained in a in these American universities or um, just kind of you're just trained to like ask a question move on you know that kind of thing <laughs> I like how this suddenly turned into a podcast attacking J schools which is what this has really <laughs> always been about <laughs> in your face Grady and Cronkite and Annenberg 
come get some from five stripe final right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know um no it'll definitely be be extremely interesting but it, but it does kind of leave um you know especially tactically some questions about certain players and the, and the one that i keep coming back to and you can you can correct me on this if i'm completely off base here but my, my thought is um well one we need a six yeah we really really need a six um, yeah. we can distribute and, and do everything that, that needs to happen um i think that's a high high priority um this offseason uh but also I, I worry i've mentioned this before i worry about miles you know but stats and everything we kind of know uh says he's maybe not the best passer maybe not the best under pressure and he's gonna be asked to do a lot in possession um i, I wonder i wonder where Heinz sees him in this team going forward which apparently he has looked at this team and has already started to look at players who can potentially come in and help out which is exciting um it's it's going back to tata's binder full of binders full of soccer players <laughs> um you know uh and being well prepared as compared to frank who was like i have never seen mls <laughs> and <laughs> a thing that still baffles me to this day um it seems well, different I, I mean that that's a great shout because if we recall miles's career like he never really appeared under tata martino like he did in 2018 and struggled when he did yeah yeah in 2018 yeah. he came in and um he would only come in in the back three first of all he would never he was never part of a back two like a center back in a back two and it was clear when he played the ball was kind of moved around him not through him <laughs> like they would move the ball through Lando Gonzalez Perez um and I remember there was a game where uh you know Miles had some passes it was one of you know one of the few games he played under Tata and um and I think like people maybe it was me who was like asking Tata like oh were you like happy you must have been happy with uh, the way Miles was out there you know uh moving the ball and he was just kind of he kind of like shrugged it off like eh like not he, you know he made some yeah. simple short passes but um yeah I mean that that's going to be an interesting thing to see how Heinz deals with that because I don't think that he really has any choice to not play him because like he's just he I mean he's so good he's an important exactly part yeah, of his club he's, he's, he's paid like a starter now he, he got his contract extension and you know I do think that there's a ton of potential for Miles Robinson um if he can develop develop that part of his game and maybe it's a guy like Gabriel Heinze who will be the guy that to help him do that um and there might be some struggles along the way but uh I, I think it'll be beneficial for Miles and I just think it'll be a question of how Heinze will want to use him in the tactical setup in terms of you know it's something that a lot of fans and even us and media don't really think about that much but like what side do you play the center back on the right or the left like like little things like that can sometimes mm-hmm. make a big difference within the overall tactical setup so yeah it'll be interesting for him um, because he has competition with other center backs that are on this roster who are probably better you would say are better passers just better technical players on the ball than miles they might not be better defenders um like defensive defenders than he is but a guy like an anton wonks a guy like a fernando meza these guys are just more comfortable with the ball at their feet so it'll be interesting to kind of see how Heinze deals with that exactly exactly which kind of leads me to my next thing is that uh, as much as it may hurt someone like miles it's probably going to benefit people like one um joseph right uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. it's very similar to uh tata and that remember when we were like wondering about how we were going to break down bunkering teams and Wayne united couldn't break down bunkering teams and we were like have you tried not crossing it and tata was like no 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 we need to cross it more, more. 
more. And we all looked at each other and went, oh, we're idiots. <laughs> we, we know nothing about this game. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of through ball opportunities. Um, you look at some of the Vela's, uh, Sarsfield, some of their best stuff. His, his previous club, which he was, he left in March uh, during the pandemic. Um, he gets the inline a lot, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of statistical, I'm not sure if he knows that a lot of statistical analysis shows that once you get to the inline, you create a lot more. Uh, but it, it is a position where Atlanta United created a lot under Tata and where we could see them start to create stuff again. Um, all that kind of has to come with the rotations and everything like that, which I do want to point out real quick. Real quick, this is my last Bielsa thing. Um, he has this kind of philosophy and it's kind of broken down into four things, right? That it's really kind of based on, um, I don't know the actual term, but it's a musical term for sight reading music without practicing first. Um, so if you like see a piece of sheet music, you're able to kind of read it and play right. it and, and right. build off that, right? Um, so there are four things, permanent concentration, movement, rotation, improvisation. Those are the four things you're looking for the Bielsa team uh, at, the, at the base level, right? So something like that, intensity, and movement and then finding through balls and then finding balls into the central areas through wide players, Joseph is going to feast if he's healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, then you kind of look at that and you look at Franco Escobar, who's going to be applauded and, and maybe given the captain's armband every time he two foot somebody <laughs> for no reason. You know, um, I, <laughs> I keep imagining, I keep imagining Franco like by the second day accidentally calling Gabriel Lines a dad in front of everybody. Like they're just like back close you know (laughs) it's gonna be awesome (laughs) yeah i mean that that i mean you would think that that would be a a very special relationship i mean we we gotta say you know caveats i don't i would not franco is going anywhere but you know with all these players we talk about the transfer window is not opened and and we still expect there there to be quite a bit of uh shuffling of this roster that will end up happening so you know we're just kind of talking uh preliminarily here but yeah like that relationship is so unique because of course franco was a newell's player uh uh, as was Heinz, of course, as we've talked about. And so I just think it's so fun and cool to have those little connections, you know, um, mm-hmm. even going back and, and the fact that Tata was at Newell's and things like that. I think it just like adds another like layer of the Atlanta United fabric. I think it's so fun. You know, it's very cool. We may have to do like a deep dive on Newell's just to kind of yeah. understand. Like, yeah. I don't know. We needed to like, why do we have a partnership with Aberdeen when we could just have a partnership <laughs> with Newell's? You know, we right. need to do both, right? It's like a sister city kind of thing. We can have like seven of them. Um, just figure that out. Figure that out. Um, it's very cool. It's very interesting. Um, and it's, uh, it's exciting. It really is. It really is. It feels, well, something I was going to say earlier, but I forgot to, um, it, it felt like old times again, when on the heels of the Heinze announcement from Cesar Merlo, Atlanta United got handed a spot in the 2021 <laughs> Champions League for no reason by magic. Not, not for no reason. Cause we earned that right. Cause we earned that the- right. <laughs> Yes. winning the 2019 U.S. Open Cup where we beat like two MLS teams. <laughs> Take that, Minnesota and whoever the hell else we played. Columbus, in that, maybe? I don't, Columbus, I don't I remember. That's right. I think that's right. Um, someone pointed out, and it's it's fair, um, that that spot is reserved for an Open Cup player. It wasn't like MLS's to give. It wasn't anyone else's to give. Ah, true. Um, so yeah. with no Open Cup this year, it does somewhat make sense to say, hey, we'll just give it to the team who still has the trophy um i'm sure i'm sure their eyes lit up a little bit when they remembered that was atlanta united and then immediately they went wait shit what place did they finish in in the, yeah. in the east oh, and then 10th. they broke out in a cold sweat and then they're like i had covid you know <laughs> it's like a whole thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly once they woke up 
out of that um out of that panic they they went ahead and gave it to us um i'm with you well sorry i'm I'm with you i'm just so excited about this next season like and and this was the whole point of that that article is that yeah it really does feel like and darren eels is the first one to bring this up that he wanted to kind of treat 2021 as like a relaunch of sorts after obviously what was a terrible season and you know i think that the ccl kind of plays into that as well the fact that you have this thing that uh is obviously been a, a club objective that they've set out and you know made no bones about it they want to win this tournament and so the fact that they're going to be able to participate in it again next year is can't be seen as anything uh, but a positive i know there was some reaction saying like oh we got these extra games now we got to worry about and like i'm just like come on man like don't we want to see atlanta united play games like i'm all that's always been kind of my my thing with um any of the soccer teams that i kind of follow or sports like i want to see them play I, you know because typically i enjoy watching them maybe not so much this past season with atlanta united because the games were more of a chore than anything else but you know when the team is exciting you're feeling um like there's a positive potential there for the team and and you don't know what could happen um that's the kind of mood you want to be in that's the kind of mode you want to be in so it's nothing but exciting and you know something else i was thinking about this is going to kind of be on a tangent but i'm going to take us here so you know i was thinking back to um there was also when the heinz of rumor broke actually i don't think it was when the port the most recent report came this friday but the friday before when it was like he's one step away or whatever there was like a comment somewhere either on twitter or Maybe it was on a Dirty South Soccer page that was saying like, so sh- do we trust the front office now? Like, n- like now that they made the signing, does it mean we trust <laughs> them again? And so, and it brought me back to like some of the things that we were talking about with the front office back around the MLS's back tournament, um, where we were really kind of being critical of the team and some of the moves that have been made. And um, you know, I just think that you know the point of us saying that was never to be like so and so needs to be fired or you know like like we were. Yeah. Um, um, right. Like, like, like heads needed to roll or certain heads needed to roll. It was all about, we just wanted to see the things that were going to be the best for the club to happen. And I think that we were, we both agreed at that time that one of the things that needed to happen was that Frank DeBoer did need, like his time needed to end at Atlanta United. And you got to give the front office a lot of credit for making that move when they did, because especially I feel like in MLS, you would see teams just let that situation linger because you don't want to have, you know, a buyout situation that you can't afford or can't justify to the ownership or whatnot. Um, I think you got to give the front office a lot of credit for being as decisive as they were at that time. And I think that you also have to give them a ton of credit for, um, and Felipe Cardenas touched on a piece in The Athletic that published today, you got to give them credit for kind of, uh, you know, reflecting on what went wrong and, and going back to kind of the proven, the methods that have been proven to be, you know, beneficial for this team. And, and being the right choices. And I think that right now we're starting to see those choices being made. So you just have to give the front office a ton of credit for that. You know, um, it's never been about personal vendettas about uh, against <laughs> anybody. It's just been about what do we think are the best things for Atlanta United. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited um, with Heinze coming in is it really feels like there is focus being um, concentrated in the proper places right now. So uh, yeah, just very excited for that reason. Yeah, like I wrote about when uh, Frank kind of got left behind was, you know, I I thought that Atlanta United had overshot the destination rather than arrived at it, you know, and it it really does kind of feel like they're coming back to that and and focusing on the things that, you know, we want to see as a fan base and what they built the team identity around. And and since that point, since they've let go of Frank, um, which was the first right move, it, it feels like they've made every other 
other right move mm-hmm. up until this point, you know, and that's encouraging. And look at Frank. He's the, he's the manager of the Netherlands, man. Like <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what kind of voodoo doctor <laughs> bullshit does he do to, I, <sighs> I don't know how all of this happened, I, but somehow, somehow there, I, there's like some saying that you'll see in like little doily print. That's like, everything happens for a reason or like <laughs> everything happens just as it was meant to be or something uh-huh. like, you know, uh-huh. it's like that. Like one See, of those every, everyone came posters. out better. It's like yeah. um, it's like the end of a movie when they kind of like wrap everything up and everyone gets a positive ending, even when like ninety percent right. of the characters don't deserve it. Um, we're there. We're there. The we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Crash, thank God, oh, but I'm gonna trust you. Oscar winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very even-handed account of, of I don't even culture, know if that's the right. zeitgeist. Um, anyway, <laughs> terrible movie. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, they're um, not only are they getting it right; they're they're getting it to a point where there's a style again, there's a buzz again to the team. Um, you're already seeing things on on Twitter kind of start to pick up, kind of back to where they were. You're seeing stuff on like the subreddit kind of pick up a little bit. It's starting to feel a little bit normal. It's getting there. It's, mm-hmm. it's getting there, and it's going to take a second. It'll be for, a slow build. Yeah, yeah, for everything to get back and be like, oh yeah, this is a team that you know the city unites around and, and everyone's everyone's here for it everyone's very very engaged with um but that buzz is coming back and there's a confidence to it and there's a swagger to it that you desperately desperately need in atlanta to succeed and they've gotten that right since they really have and it's one of the reasons why i just cannot wait for fans to be able to come back in the building and not just yeah. like fans to like you know fill up 10 percent or 20 percent of the seats or whatever but get people packed in there shoulder to shoulder you know that was really that's like through all this COVID COVID stuff, um, just in, the, in terms of sports, it's one one thing that I realized I really kind of took for granted was how much the fans help make the product in these sporting events, and, and, and more so in some sports than in others. Like not so much in baseball, you know, not so much in even I would say NFL, but like especially MLS, college football. Surprisingly, you're probably yep. your two favorite <laughs> sports to follow, uh-huh. um, and I, maybe the Premier League too to an extent. But you know, you just cannot match the uh yeah that kind of excitement and i think that that will really help kind of build the overall energy and momentum behind the fan interest is once you can get those fans back in make atlanta united games like a you know the funnest place to be on a saturday night in atlanta um mm-hmm. that's when this club will will really be back to you know some of its best times and if, i don't know it, we're getting there we're heading in the right spot we're heading in the right spot yeah. do you get i get freaked out now when i watch highlights of old games and someone cheers like someone scores I, and there's like a loud noise i'm like what's that noise what is yeah. that <laughs> it's people yeah humanity That's interesting um well they're already making moves to kind of get this team to where i guess they think it needs to be for next season when fans do start coming back whenever that may be we're hoping very very soon please dear god go get your vaccine please for god <laughs> Get the vaccine so we can have soccer. Um, Classic five-stripe final hard cut to make sure we get to promote our presenting sponsor of the podcast, Lucid FC, here on the show. You know, Sam was just talking about vaccines there and getting fans back in the stadium. And uh, you know who else can't wait for that is Lucid FC. They kind of have built their brand over being this community product. And I know they have so much in store for 2021. I cannot wait to share with you guys some of uh, what they have in store. But until then, until we get people back, uh, you know, in the Gulch tailgating and all that kind of stuff... 
Um, you can go on their on their store on their online store and buy some Christmas gifts for your mom, your sister, your brother. That's right. Like you can, th- they've got clothes for everybody. It's not just for like men or you know that we talk about it kind of being like European streetwear uh, that you would wear to like a soccer game or something. But it's not just for men. It's, uh, you could like there's hats, um, caps, all kinds of stuff for all kinds of different people. And obviously we've been promoting this a lot this season, but the masks are still for sale on the website. Um, and again, as we've said before, any mask that gets bought from their website, they donate for to local service centers. So um, please, please, please make sure to wear a mask if you don't have one. If you don't have one, pick one up from Lucid FC. Um, they ship directly to you or you can pick up curbside. Just use DSS code at checkout to make sure, uh, you know, like Wolf, the Wolfman sent you, except it's five strike final. Um, that really helps us, uh, both us and Lucid FC, kind of keep track of who's buying what and who's coming from where. So um, thank you guys for all your support. Thank you guys for supporting Lucid FC. We know many of you have throughout this season, uh, and hopefully you're enjoying the product. So with that out of the way, we're going to play a couple more ads for you guys and then get right back into the show. So they've already made one move. Uh, they made it yesterday. Uh, they made a couple others as well, but it, we feel this one's relatively notable. Oh, <laughs> well, at least notable enough for me. Um, I see uh, here on the show sheet where you've misspelled his name, jerk. Did I? Um, oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but John Gallagher uh, traded yesterday during a half-day transfer window, which is still very, very funny to me that someone said... <laughs> you know, what if we just had like six hours here where you can make trades? <laughs> Here's my idea, though. What, I mean, I don't know how they came to that. You could do like a three-quarter day transfer window, but here's my idea. You do a trade window power hour. You take all 26, 25, 27 MLS execs, however there many are now, and you put them all, Dave and Busters, and you give them shots, and you give them mixed drinks, and you let them play like DDR or the really big Guitar Hero and stuff like that, and let them make deals, televise it. Um, it's going to be like, you know, Shark Tank plus Love Islands plus all sorts of fun things all kind of mixed <laughs> together. <laughs> and I would watch that MLS if you were listening. I guess I could just tell That's someone. A great right? idea. But yeah, no, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Anyway, um, John Gallagher traded to Austin for essentially an international slot. It, John, it kind of worked out. John Gallagher, a.k.a. Atlanta United's co-leading Best scorer. Player. Last year. <laughs> <laughs> but let's Which be honest. Why, like, if you were relying on John Gallagher for like lots of minutes this coming season, you were screwed. Like, yeah. like I mean, maybe that sounds harsh, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, I you, do. You were not relying on him. He was going to be a role player who was going to have marginal impact for you. So um, I suppose that getting the international spot is fair. Um, I know that one of our friends, Teoto Football, was like, "Don't worry about the up, up in arms spots. about uh, the fact that Atlanta United did this." But um, I think it's whatever. You know, yeah, I probably has some like, some players he wants to bring in. You know, Felipe alluded to that in his column today. So uh, I just think there are other players that you could have done this with. I don't know. Maybe um, yeah. you know, and it's not like. Gallagher was taking up a huge chunk of your roster, you know, or huge chunk of your salary. He's not Heinemann, you know. He's right. He was not even on Heinemann. the like he wasn't honestly, he was not even affecting the budget. Like he was in one yeah. of the off so, budget slots. So he wasn't so, even so, really an impact there. So I'm unsure why this happened. It maybe maybe Josh Wolf just really, really wanted 
wanted him, which is fair. You give him an opportunity. Um, but he should time, have a good opportunity in Austin. I think Austin should. will be a better opportunity mm-hmm. for him next year than Atlanta United would be. Uh, so should. good, I, good I, for him. That would have been a decent bench piece to have. You know, I, I'm not quite sure I understand it. Uh, I like John. I read a piece on John. Yep. A while back, he has an interesting story. Great guy. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it seemed like he was going to at least be, um, you know, some part of this. I, I saw a lot of Chris Mueller in him and kind of the way he played um, and uh, that kind of style. But if they don't see that potential and they see it out, then they, I guess we kind of have to, to trust it at this point. But we'll see. Um, kind of a strange move. Um, and a more understandable move, though, uh, we do have Jackson Conway signing a homegrown player deal. And, and that's very exciting. Kid can ball. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, we just haven't seen a whole lot of our homegrowns kind of come through yet. But if this is the one, I would make a lot of sense. Jackson's been very, very impressive for the twos. I was getting such a kick out of his uh, press that he was doing that day that where they announced it because he was just so laid back with the media, you know, for a, how old is he? 19, something like that. Yeah. He's still a teenager. Um, impressive. Impressive that he's, he, I mean, it's probably a good trait that if the, the fact that he wasn't like intimidated or anything, yeah. I don't know why you would be intimidated talking to Doug Roberson, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, uh, um, no. He has a really good golf swing and that's what would <laughs> throw me off. In all, in all seriousness. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it, it was something that, you know, I had put out a couple of any United to report podcasts this year talking a lot about Jackson the fact that um, you know obviously he was very impressive and I think he kind of knew that coming into this Atlanta United 2 season he needed to kind of put something together consistently and he sure did I mean he he missed some time with uh, a foot injury and he's had a couple injuries here now in his career early which isn't great but it's not the end of the world these things happen Um, he just really shows a a remarkable amount of composure in the box he can finish in multiple different ways he's a big body so he's he's the I think the Atlanta United's website says he's like the same height as Adam John. I've never actually stood next to Jackson Conway. Um, didn't get a chance to obviously go to games for Atlanta United too this season. But um, that would be, I mean, if he's that big, which, you know, he, he definitely, obviously when you see him play for Atlanta United too, you know he can use his physicality. Um, that's, that's a big advantage. I mean, that gives you, you know, yeah. part of the reason everyone was saying that Adam John was a good, decent backup striker option was the fact that he was so much different than Joseph Martinez. I think Jackson Conway is very similar, but I also think Jackson Conway is a guy you could throw on at the end of a game to play with uh, Joseph Martinez um, and help you defend set pieces and do all those kinds of things that that John was going to do. So um, and with a lot more upside and potential. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I hope he gets some opportunities at the MLS level next year. He's probably going to largely play for Atlanta United too still next season. Uh, but they'll go back to the old way it was where you can kind of play for both teams um, and you know join each squad uh, as these guys are vaccinated and those protocols change. So uh, but I'm excited. I hope he really gets a gets a chance with Heinza. Me too. Me too. And like I said, it'd be nice to see a homegrown um, come through it. on the same level as George. You know, George has been phenomenal, um, but we want to we want to see just a little bit more from George. I think he'll. I don't know, I'm excited about him. That's another player I think too that is going to do well in the yeah. system. Oh yeah, I think George I think will really thrive. Really well. Yeah. Yep, thrive. Um, uh, it was. It, I'm glad you just bring him up because I thought it was funny. And I know another one of those kind of cool threads of the fabric of Atlanta United is that Jackson mm-hmm. Conway talked about how he oh, played yeah. with George Bellow back when he were they were like 12 13 years old so that's just i just love that idea of bringing through players who have grown up playing in the area for different you know competitive teams or whatever i just think that that's kind of a, a cool kind of community element of uh having these homegrown players yeah no, that's awesome that's awesome and it, it kind of makes things relatable i'm um, speaking of homegrown players um bless up andrew carlton um 
gone finally from the team. Um, I I generally don't know where he went. Um, he's a, he's just a free agent, isn't he? I guess so. Uh, at this yeah. point, um, so that saga comes to an end mercifully, I think, for both parties. Uh, so you know, sometimes sometimes these things just don't work out. Um, I was laughing. I was laughing at you saying "bless up." By the way, not it. Not it. Th- yeah, that was that was intentional. That was intentional for <laughs> uh, yeah, a number of I mean, reasons. Best of luck at Car- to Carlton. I don't think it. Was, yeah, it was never going to happen here in Atlanta, which was kind of clear after a couple seasons. So I thought he ha- was having a, like a much better year than he, I guess, actually had in Indy. Um, which credit to him for like really getting his highlights out there on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> like <his> best <laughs> highlights. <laughs> That's half of recruiting, man. You just right, exactly. The, you just got to get the five plays. Yeah, that you get, you heads, get the spot right? shadow on your on your uh, on yourself, uh, and then <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so those are some of the moves that are going on. There are course moves coming in the future. The, there's a whole lot of work to do with this team. There's a whole lot more. There's going to be more than half day transfer windows, full day transfer windows, maybe even full month transfer windows coming mm-hmm. up. In um, MLS, uh, Atlanta already linked a junior central midfielder. His name is Augustine Almendra. Uh, he's, he's so years good old. in football manager. He is he's so, so good. good in football manager apparently that's the that's the first i'm hearing of that but that's good news um we don't know much about him yet uh, i'm sure we will as things kind of get closer uh, but it sounds like uh this is someone identified by Einza, and you know as more reports of who he wants come in um this team's going to change a lot this team's yep. going to look very very different once again it's not going to be a perfect fit immediately right it's going to take some time for him to kind of drill everyone in uh but you know uh, it's going to happen kind of quick they're going to be thrown in the fire immediately in the 2021 Champions League that we are in, um, but you know, which apparently uh, is still supposed to start in February. Who knows when that Come will on. actually start? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I will say this. Joe, we haven't even talked about it yet. Um, it is the upcoming game that we have. Oh my god! To play, <laughs> we are Champions like League, what yeah. an hour into this. And, oh yeah, you know, uh, it's a actually we game. We skipked a press conference, <laughs> like the United press we conference did. to record this podcast. We'll we get on the press schedule. Tomorrow. I didn't see Heinz and went. Uh, nah. <laughs> That, I will say this too. That is another thing I'm very, very excited for is to never do another Zoom press conference again unless absolutely oh, yeah. necessary. I'm so ready to be back at the training ground. Serious? Yeah. Anyway, no kidding. That's, that's inside baseball. Oh, um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm excited for you to be at the training ground. I'm excited to I, it's see been you there. Like, it's we been have... a couple years, honestly. Yeah. I, went, I went to grad school for some reason and then, you know, <laughs> missed out on doing that. Um, so it really is uh, different like getting to talk oh, stand so next is. to somebody yeah. and ask them a question versus doing it over a computer for sure doing doing one-on-one stuff is going to be easier too yep. um yep. it's just going to be better everything's going to yeah. be better you, it's going it's to be so this. much better for fans too because they will yeah. get more they will absolutely get more insight into what's going on with this team so mm-hmm. for sure for sure anyway uh is there anything should... about the game that we need to talk Atlanta about? Is... Like, don't get hurt i guess okay. anybody so um how Maybe do Jackson i how Um, One time when I was playing baseball, I was on a very bad team in in like high school. Like it was like middle school. We played like a high school schedule for some Mm. reason, though. Um, And someone mistakenly um, thought this was like the real team. You know, someone thought we were like the actual Mm -hmm. team and not like the eighth grade freshman team, if that makes sense. I know exactly what you mean. Yep. So they sent a bunch of varsity players to come play us. (laughs) An already bad team full of eighth graders. And 
And we lost that doubleheader that day by a combined score of 44 to 2 oh. in baseball. Um, so that is essentially what this could be for Club America. Maybe they're going to get tricked and not realize that this is the eighth grade team that Atlanta <laughs> United is sending and maybe accidentally play their real players um, because Atlanta United is not, not sending anyone uh, too much of note here. This might be a chance for Jackson Conway, speaking of Jackson Conway. Yeah, yeah. I think, Jack, I mean, I, I kind of expect him to at least probably not start, but I would expect him to play at some point in the game. Uh, you know, just get out of there. Don't get hurt. I got to, you know, just I can give a bunch of credit to the players for having to go down there and do this thing. You know, they're, they should be in the middle of their offseason right now. And yeah. you guys work really hard during a season. Like, they should have time off to, you know, take a vacation. Obviously, they're not going to be going on the kinds of vacations this year that they would normally be doing in their offseason. But um, I just feel bad for them that they kind of have their offseason interrupted by this whole thing. So credit to them for, and, and the staff, the coaching staff as well, for, you know, for just having to pack their bags one last time to go down there to make this trip. Hopefully they get through it without getting injured or anything. But there's honestly, there's nothing I'm really looking for in this game other than, yeah, maybe <laughs> some potential performances out of some young players and things like yeah. that. No, no, nothing in terms of the results or anything. Just honestly, say, hope, hopefully you don't <laughs> extend it. <laughs> I would say it would be extremely, extremely this year to end the year with Atlanta United pushing Club America with their with their JV team. You know, if they yeah, somehow make right. this like really interesting um, with a bunch of randoms, it'd be it'd be awesome. <laughs> um, and one last ride for Stephen Glass as well. This yep. be his last thing. Yeah, um, So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them too. The era. Yeah, there was uh, somebody from another SB Nation blog uh, DM me the other day. Is like, hey, what's going on with Stephen Glass after this year? And uh, I wonder if he's maybe a potential candidate for some other teams if uh i don't know really know how you judge steven glass's yeah, like managerial really... ability with, during a season like this and the circumstances he had to deal with but um <laughs> yeah i know it'll be it'll be interesting i was having a conversation with someone uh today actually about resumes and how like you don't have to like say that you were actually good at the job on the resume you would just right. have to say that you have right. the job on right, the resume exactly. yeah, right yeah. so <laughs> yeah. he, he can say he was the manager yep. of Lane united that is accurate yeah you know <laughs> and people can just buy that and not look into it any further. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> uh, God. Um, gonna be one last thing, end of an era before we move on to um, something brighter and more special. All that going down in Orlando, they're bubbling up again. All the games are gonna be played at Exploria Stadium. Uh, it'll last over about the course of a week. Yeah. Champions League season before getting prepared to, to start things back up again, apparently. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, another news item, real quick, we'll hit on um, Keisha Lane's bottoms and I think just the city of Atlanta have offered their support for the 2026 World Cup. If y'all are keeping an eye on that, it's obviously a few years away, but it seems more and more like Atlanta is going to be hosting some pretty big games. Um, yep. Go check out that. I think we have a piece up on TSS about it as well. I um, think uh, Atlanta will probably get a semifinal. That's my favorite. I would have to think. I would yeah. have to think. Which, is, which would be incredible. Like, Can you imagine? Because we'll get to be there about too. about that? Like Germany, yeah. Argentina, or like England. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh, man. That'd be or so or the United States, man. Look at this team. Yeah, Look true. Hey, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. I mean, Seriously, like the U.S. players, th- these crop of players will be in their prime by that 2026 yeah, uh, World Cup. Honestly, awesome. like the U.S. could be a real contenders there. So that'd be fun. The timing is incredible for that. It really is. Um, anything else we want to add? Uh, I think 
think overall, I think we've pretty much indicated that we're we're excited about what this is and what this holds, and we're excited for people to kind of back on board. Um, it's understandable if you've been away, but but welcome back. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, this will probably be our last episode of the year, I would think, um, unless there's some big breaking news. We're not going to come in and do another breaking newser, I don't think, uh, podcast after Heinz's signs. Maybe if he says something really interesting, I don't know, but uh, tentatively, we'll just kind of in terms of our podcasting schedule for this off season, we're just going to kind of play it by ear when we have enough news then we'll come out and do a show and talk about what's been going on we'll try to get some interviews as well i think it might be worth reaching back out to parky um jeff is jeff is a very 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 tentative maybe (laughs) that's how i'll put it that's how i'll put it um oh that is something we did need to mention uh jeff learning what's not picked up by the team which of course is a big blow to the the dss community of course uh but we reached out and just said thanks for his time um he said he was gonna take some time to kind of stick to himself a little bit and then hopefully we'll hear from jeff at some point maybe even have him on the show um, which would be awesome i hope we get to do that that'd be great to yeah. talk to him be fun um so we'll see we'll let you guys know um other than that if you guys have anything you want us to do um always feel free to get at us joe patrick is at j patrick 200 on twitter i'm at j underscore sam jones you can check out all our stuff on dirty south soccer uh nine two point nine the game and mlssoccer.com aka the mothership uh go check out my newsletter please it's happening every day even throughout the off season we are continuing to roll with that bad boy um even as things kind of come to a standstill which means i get to be a lot weirder just to be a little more creative uh, as this kind of goes on so it's going to be fun um you can check out my twitter i've got a link to that where you can sign up for the newsletter and get a little bit of me in your inbox every day every day a little bit of sunshine just me hanging out with you in the morning like a fresh cup of coffee a bagel and maybe like a scone kind of thing and maybe also i don't know maybe you have some music playing in the background God, sounds delightful and yeah totally <laughs> Like Some a warm jazz. hug in the morning. Soft jazz, yes. <laughs> okay. We, I don't know why we're stalling at the end of like a, a hour and a half fucking episode, but you know, whatever. Um, we love you. Thank you for following all of our stuff this year. Um, it's been a weird one for sure, um, but we appreciate everyone who listens. Uh, we appreciate everyone who takes us seriously, um, and we appreciate that uh, we have been indirectly responsible for every single move that United has ever made due to the influence of this podcast, which is wide-reaching, inescapable, and all-powerful. Um, so thank you for everything. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Um, I'm sweating through my sweatshirt right now, and I don't know if it's because I'm terribly uncomfortable or if it's the COVID. <laughs> it's just the emotions it's just it's emotional sweat is what it is let it let it wash over you bye y'all